Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome, everybody. So happy to see so many of you. And happy Mother's Day. I know we have some amazing mothers in the group and our Sangha. So sending you, sending you all some love and and any of you that are mothering something. And maybe some extra love towards mothers that are mothering children that are in the house during COVID-19. It's um, some added strength might be needed, <laughs> patience, practice. And, uh, and also to, to Wendy, too, who mothers our Sangha um, here in so many beautiful ways and carries that, that mother energy. So I want to send some, some strength to her, and she does that as well um, as she cares for her two children. So Yeah, maybe we could kind of carry that with us um, through throughout today's um, practice together. So the, the, the subject of today's talk, I think I sent it out and it was um, something about harnessing the mind and taming the emotions. And I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch that up a little bit and maybe talk more about comparing mind. That's what, that's what was coming up for me quite a bit. Uh, this week, comparing mind, and I think if we look at comparing mind, this is a good way to look at how to tame the mind uh, and and uh, and the emotions. So I got to thinking about comparing mind, <clears throat> and I, I received so much wonderful feedback about uh, David Lee's talk last Sunday, and uh, if I just loved. I love David. I love his energy. I love, he's just kind of like walking bliss. He's just, he's just this great, bright being, and uh, it's wonderful. And it got me thinking about the importance of, of listening to, to different teachers and to absorbing different things at different times in our practice and how wonderful that is. And, and, uh, and Bob, Bob and City, who's, what's up, Bob? I see you. <laughs> Most of you know Bob. He sent me a text last night, and uh, about I hope it's fine for for me to share this. Uh, right on, about a a teacher that he was listening to, probably on Dharma Seed, and he was wondering if I had listened to her, and 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 I had, and and he was like, I really like her style, and and this and that, and and we both agreed, and and. You know, having all of these these uh, these offerings and access to all of these teachings, 
is so incredibly wonderful. We have, we have access to literally thousands of teachers, you know, whether it be Dharma Seed or you know, all, all sorts of different, different platforms and everything's you know, online, even before COVID-19. We have all of these, these types of um, teachings available to us, which could be awesome. And it also reminds me of a couple different types of su- types of suffering. And there's a tougher, there's a suffering of having too little, and there's the suffering of having too much. And sometimes, when we're listening to all the teachings, we could be suffering from having too much. In other words, we kind of don't know where everything fits in to our practice. And every time we absorb a teaching, there's a lot of comparing mind that, that's happening. So it's comparing mind to other sets, maybe other teachers, comparing mind to the set, your current set of, of beliefs and concepts, comparing mind to the, the exact practices that you're doing now and maybe should you be doing you know, other practices. Uh, comparing mind if you should be absorbing uh, more learning or maybe going in, in a different direction. So it's kind of like we have this, this pool of, of information and, and this consists or this makes up the fabric of our, of our practice. And then every time we add something new and it kind of can change everything and we work with it and we mold it over and we incorporate it and integrate it and we might throw some stuff out and we might keep some stuff and then we're kind of reborn in a way. Like we're kind of, and our practice is, is elevated in some way. You know, hopefully. And then it could also lead to sometimes confusion, like I mentioned. Sometimes what I like to call spiritual indigestion. Like, what should I be doing? This maybe doesn't fit in. I need to, to learn more. And I'm maybe not integrating it as seamlessly as I would like. So... When it comes to kind of incorporating all of, all of the teachings, it, I think it's good to, to go back to square one and look at what, what are we doing and, and seeing where these things fit in. Because even for me throughout, not even for me, just, just me as a, as a seeker, as a practitioner, uh, throughout the years I've always looked at the practices and said, you know, what, what is it that I should be doing all the time, like what practice, like what should I be doing every single moment of, of every day? What is it really that I should be doing? And, and I've gone you know, back and forth all the time. And I think if we look at the, the ultimate truth types of, of teachings, it could boil down to awareness and, and love and compassion and the, the fusion of those two. So I, I think, well, I should be resting in open awareness. I should be resting in, you know, I should be mindful. I should be tapping into my, my Buddha nature, this innate just wakefulness, and learning about, you know, being there, kind of taking the result as a path, which is more of a, of a Tantra concept or a Dzogchen or something like this concept. Yeah, of, of just being fully awake and aware and tapping into that. And then I think, oh, I should just be love, just incorporate love and, 
and see where love is hidden in this moment. And when I come upon challenges, see, okay, I'm definitely missing an aspect of love here. How can I you know, move into a greater sense of loving kindness? And the fact of the matter is, is that sometimes I cannot access either one of those things. So the fact of the matter is, is that sometimes I cannot access my Buddha nature. Sometimes I cannot access you know, pure loving kindness, compassion. Sometimes my, my awareness is too clouded to, to do so. If I might have really strong um, anxiety or de- depression or, or, some, or, or anger or something, I can't access it. And so this is why there are so many teachings. I've asked myself so many times, if we're all going to the same place and we're all ending up at the same place and all, and truth only lies, it, it, truth is truth, it, it's only one thing, then why all of these teachings? There's thousands and thousands and thousands of teachings. Even in Buddhism, you know, 84,000 teachings, just in this one tradition, supposedly. I don't know. But so many teachings. And it's because we really need to meet the moment as it is and work from there. If we look at what are we trying to do, we're trying to relieve suffering. And I've noticed that the path is really about the skillfulness to relieve a a suffering in the moment. The skillfulness to relieve a suffering in the moment. It's like we're it's like it's like a technique, but this technique is really multifaceted because the types of sufferings are sometimes very, very different. Sometimes they're very subtle, sometimes they're very heavy, sometimes they're because of this, because of that, because we're grasping, we're pushing away, because of the ego, all sorts of stuff. But we're really learning the skillfulness to relieve suffering, like I said, in all these different ways. It's kind of like getting back to the opportunity to recognize loving kindness and awareness. There's so many times when I hear these, these teachers you know, speak about ultimate awareness or I look back upon some of my meditations that I've had and, and I have been able to get a glimpse of that and I wonder, why can't I go back there? Why is it so difficult? Why can't I abide there all the time? And it's because of what might be standing in the way of even the opportunity to access those states. And so that's what we're learning on the path with all these different teachings. And that's why it's so great to hear them from different people and different things because, you know, as we've all experienced, if somebody says something in a certain way, at a certain time of your practice, it just unlocks, even though you might have heard it 50 times, 100 times, 1,000 times. But it's that one time for that one particular suffering, you get freed. And once that small suffering goes away, you have, you have now gained, you have more in your toolbox, another tool in your toolbox to relieve suffering that gets you access to that greater truth that you already know, loving kindness, compassion, awareness.
So I've thought about a few, a few different things about what kind of stands in our way as far as comparing mind is concerned. And then I want to talk a little bit about um, how, how to be a student. Like how do we categorize all of these teachings? Because I think in some ways, instead of trying to reach liberation, and I, and I see this within myself, instead of trying to reach liberation, I'm trying to be a good Buddhist. I'm trying to be a good meditator. I'm trying to do it right. You know, all of these things. Instead of the goal of reaching liberation, like really in, in my own natural way, depending on really taking, taking back uh, my own rationale and my own spiritual confidence that I need to really figure this out myself, I'm trying to be a good Buddhist, I'm trying to be a good meditator. And I really like how when we looked at, when we looked at the Buddha and his life, he had so much discernment. So he tried all of these things and looked at all of these teachers and tried all of these techniques. And yet he was always looking and always paying attention if it worked for him. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. So the, these things that, that I'm going to talk about a little bit now are common paradoxes. I think some of these things confuse us um, as we go along and we're learning these different teachings. This comparing mind shows up in a lot of different ways. And maybe definitely when we break up into small groups, you could add your own. But these are some common ones that I see within myself and, and others. They're not in any particular order. Effort versus no effort. So there's, there's a theme of resting in your natural awareness. You already are what you're seeking. And, and to just kind of relax into that, you know, more of the uh, non-dual types of teachings. And then there's a whole set of teachings which we need to cultivate all of these qualities and cultivate ethics and we need to strive really hard. Someone sharing their screen again. I'm glad Don's here. <laughs> um, so, that, so there's a whole other set of teachings of, of cultivation. I cultivate all this stuff and then, you know, rest. So this is one paradox. And again, as we go through these paradoxes, they're both true. And I'm going to kind of go over how, the, in the next step of how do we discern which one is working for us, right? So just kind of hold that in mind as we go through here. They're both, all of these are true. We just need to know where they fit into our particular practice, right? Learning versus doing. This is a big one. When we hear a talk, I see this in my own mind again. We hear a talk, somebody's talking beautifully about the Dharma, about the suttas, about whatever it might be, or just some little nugget of wisdom. And I think, I need to know more. I need to learn more. I need to... Maybe take a course, I need to take a class, I need to go here or go there. 
right? I need to read that book or I need to listen to more of that teacher. So there's this idea and there's, then there's the idea that, you know, I, I need to just sit more with the teachings. I need to just meditate more and I've already learned so much and I've absorbed so much and there's so much more that I need to experience on my own. So there's this paradox too. The different styles of practice from the foundational aspects all the way to the more advanced aspects. What should I be doing? There's the Theravada uh, method, and there's Mahayana, Vajrayana, just in Buddhism, these different levels of practice. Should I stay with just these simple teachings? Should I go up to the more advanced teachings? Is there something that I'm missing? Are some techniques better? Are they faster? There's, there's these sets, or these sets of, of, of paradoxes. Should I focus more on the heart, like I mentioned this? Should I be more in open awareness? Or should I be focused more on the heart-based practices? Which one of these should I do? Good common, common thought. Some people are really focused on the body, like the somatic. Should I move into the somatic aspects of the practice and pay attention to the body and how it's communicating? How does that relate to more of resting in awareness? How does, that, how does the body relate to practicing loving kindness? There's a whole aspect of the religious aspect of the practice versus just secular. Do I need to be religious? Do I need to believe in reincarnation to be a Buddhist, to do a practice? Do I need to believe in things that I'm not really, not even in the here and now? So can I just do this whole thing in a secular way? Or do I, does it need to be a religion? This is a thought that comes up. Is part of my practice sharing it with others? This might be coming up with you. How do I share it for others? Is sharing it with others a bodhisattva act? Or am I just being annoying? Or should I just focus entirely on myself? This comes up. Should I go live at, at a retreat center? <laughs> you know, some of my teachers have lived at retreat centers or something like this. Maybe that's what I should be doing. You know, I should just leave the world and go live there. You know? Do I need a guru? Do I, do I really need to find that one person or, or two or three teachers or something that it might be? Do I need a, a guru for this practice? So anyway, I just want to throw out a lot of things, a lot of common paradoxes that could be adding to, uh, these are ones that I've, I've all had all of these things for sure, could be adding to the confusion of, of what I should be doing with my practice. And again, even the access to all of these uh, options, to even to know about all of these options is incredible. You know, just by looking at this list here, um, even knowing about all of them is actually a quite beautiful thing. And, and like I mentioned, they're all right. So the next thing that I wanted to talk about, like I mentioned, is is how to, how to be a student, like how to be a good student so we know which ones of these things we should be doing. Because I believe that it has to, it has to be us. It has to be you. Um, kind of going back to the example of, of the Buddha, 
I liked how he, he practices all of these other teachers, but never, never in a way where he lost his discernment. Not like he didn't give it 100%. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But he never lost his discernment with the basic question, does this work for me? Does this work? So the first thing that I want to talk about, the first key to be a good student in this, I think, is passion. The first thing is passion in, in that we're not looking, like I mentioned, we're not trying to be a good Buddhist here. We're not trying to be a good whatever, we're actually wanting with really sincere passion to relieve our suffering. Because if we have that goal, like if we have that, like this has to work. You know, if somebody is doing something just kind of halfway, you're just like, yeah, I'm getting by, I'm kind of doing the thing. But then there are some people that are really dedicated. It could be in business or something like this. They're really dedicated to the result. They're not going to take no for an answer. Right? It has to work. And if we bring that kind of that passion to the practice and we're going through all of, all of the things that we're, we're trying on, we're not just trying them on for fun. And there's an element of, of that to bring joy to your practice. But really, is it working? Is it working? You know, I was interviewing a therapist and and she was talking about all of the different modalities that they do at this one clinic. And they do EMDR, and they do uh, cognitive processing, and they do these different types of trauma work and all this stuff. And she was like, you know, what you want to do is you want to... I said, how do you find a good practitioner? And she says, well, what you do is, you know, you, you, you find a clinician, you work with them, and then you ask yourself, and like, depending on the modality, it might be 12 weeks or something like that, you ask yourself... You know, is this working? And if it's not working, then you leave. <laughs> it's like you give it 100% and you ask yourself, is it working? Because it has to work. So here we're looking at, am I, is my suffering being relieved? You know, am I really reaching a sustainable and reliable source of, of contentment? Which ones work for me? I think this one really led me to just my, just my own experience when I did leave to go to the retreat centers after practicing for you know maybe 13 years or so. I I looked at my own practice and I said you know I was just working and and, and striving really hard to to practice and I just looked at myself and it just said oh it's not working. Um, you know, not, knowing what I know now, I know that I didn't really have to leave and, and go to the retreat centers, but uh, for me at that time in my life, that's what I needed to do because I was just so passionate about it. And I said, oh, I have to leave. And it, it, it really, I just, it was really difficult to leave my whole life like that, but, but I had to do it. Um, so the, the, second, the second one, the second key, and again, I just made these up. This is just kind of trying them on, I think, for, for me. And, and again, I'm, I'm open to see what you guys think, but the second piece is to, to give it 100%. And again, I want to go back to the Buddha, and if you, if you read the text about how much he, he really gave every single technique that he learned and every single teacher, 
he gave it 110%. Man, he was all in. He was all in 100%. And I think that gave him the opportunity to, to throw things out. Because he gave it his all. And he said, you know, I've tried this. I gave it, I've given it 110%. And I know for certainty there's some kind of finality to it that for me, maybe this one's just not the way. You know, when, it, when, he, when he kind of starved the senses, you know, that's one that comes to mind, you know. Um, obviously, he went into a period of his life where he wasn't eating and, you know, just really trying to, to move away from all desires and, and, and whatnot. And, you know, obviously he said, you know, that's just, that's just not it. So giving things 100%, this is how we, we can know for, for certain if something's working for us or, or not. And, and this is obviously problematic when we have so many different teachings. But this is also a great tool to, and I highly recommend this, is don't move on. You know, all of these teachings, if you're coming from a lineage in, in Buddhism, I mean, they, they are tried and true, you know. And... Give it 100% for, for a sustained period of time before you jump to another something, right? So it's a great tool to use is that give it 100%. Go deep with something first because all these teachings are amazing, right? From all the Theravada, Mahayana, Vajrayana, all of the practices have been experimented with and they're all great, but give it 100%. The third piece is the courage to throw it away. The courage to throw it away. And, and this is when, like I've been mentioning, we have to make it our own. And we're not just trusting blindly. This is like a theme that runs through Buddhism the whole time. And I think this is where it comes from, is that Buddha, Buddha saw that there was these followers that when he was studying, that even though the practice didn't, quote-unquote, work, the followers just blindly believed it and just kept doing it. Even though he looked at him and he would say, this is not leading to your enlightenment. You've been doing this for so long, but it's, you're still not there, right? And so we have to have the spiritual confidence to know that we know that this is for us, that we, it has to work for us, for you. It doesn't matter if Buddha said it. It doesn't matter if some other guru said it. It doesn't matter if it's been for 2,000 years or whatever. Even these, you know, breath meditation or something, like I said, they're all great, but it has to be great for you. If it's not working for you, have the courage to say, I know what's best for me. This is not working. And again, too, with, with all the teachings available, we have to tune into ourselves. We can't just say, oh, just because. We have to have the courage to throw some things out. You know? We have to have the courage to stay. <laughs> Great paradox. The courage to stay and give it 100% and then to know, okay, I did. And it's just not for me, for not right now. Maybe, or I should say, you know, throw things out or just move on, just evolve, right? Because I believe everything is, is helpful for a certain amount of time. You know, it all increases our, 
um, our practice in some way, but then to be, to be awake and aware when to move on. And that's the final piece. And, and, and this is, the, I guess, the theme that runs through all of them is self-awareness. Self-awareness. I think this is the most important thing. Self-awareness is kind of the, the director of our practice. And it's really, really difficult, actually. I think when I say self-awareness, or let's say when I used to hear people say, um, you have to be self-aware and this and that. I thought, of course, yeah, I'm, I'm mindful. Like, I'm, I'm self-aware. And I had no idea until my practice evolved just how unaware of myself I really was. And I feel like it's really easy to um, not see our faults. You know, I see my faults more and more every day. <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm so, and I'm so thankful you know, I, I think looking back, just to kind of back up a bit, when I was mentioning about passion and about that I had to leave my, uh, I had to leave uh, my, my home and, you know, move to retreat centers. And now I see I, w- I wasn't disciplined enough. I thought I was. I mean, I thought I was trying as hard as I could and, and this and that. But it, I really needed more discipline. When I moved to the centers and I saw the level of discipline and I saw, how, I saw the effort and I saw the effort of householders. I saw the effort of, of people like in, you know, doing in, in the full catastrophe of life with kids and, and all this stuff. And I saw their level of dedication. I was like, wow, that's incredible. But I wasn't self-aware enough to actually see that for myself for a long period of time. This self-awareness is just like, it's kind of like the, the manager, like I mentioned, it's, it's really looking to see where are my deficits? Where are my strengths? What types of teachings really suit me? And one thing that I, that I ask when I'm working one-on-one with people is I get to know them and see, are they intellectual? Are they heart-based? Are they devotional? Are they, you know, more, do they lean already more towards certain types of practices or not? Is there a blind spot, you know, in, within, the, within their practice or something that's obviously needs to be shored up, needs to be strengthened? So this self-awareness gives us this, this, um, this kind of um, access to what we need at the time. And of course, this self-awareness comes with, with mindfulness practice, but it also comes with this uh, courage to look at ourselves honestly. It can also come from teachers. I think this is a really cool um, aspect of having, having teachers is they could invite us to be self-aware in certain areas, right? It's, it's still self-awareness, but it's, it's directed like, you know, pay attention to this aspect of your practice and have, have some more self-awareness around, around this or that. So passion, really knowing that we're here for liberation and taking like nothing else, right? Um, trying, giving something 100% focus, effort, the courage to throw something away that's not working for you, and kind of the guiding energy through all of this self-awareness. 
really, really know yourself. What do you need at any particular time? So I want to break us up into uh, breakout rooms. And, and maybe there's, you know, there's two things that I invite you to, to look at. Uh, one is the, the paradoxes. Are there things that kind of come up for you that are uh, maybe con- confusing for your practice? You know, like I mentioned, effort versus non-effort, love versus mindfulness, reading more, listening more compared to doing more, um, religious versus secular, uh, going to retreat, stay in the world, <laughs> like there's all these different things. So there's, there's that to maybe discuss. And then also too, uh, how to guide your practice your own way, like things to how to be a good student through all of this. If there's anything that you want to add to, to my list or something that you found helpful for you to, to navigate this, this path in, in, a, in, a, in a personal way. So, yeah, I'm going to break us up into groups. If, if anyone wants to share with the larger group um, what came up for them in, uh, in the group. And, uh, yeah, you could, you could just raise your hand or we could just try popcorn style if you want to unmute yourself and just um, say what came up for you. I guess I'll start it off. Um, I've used different techniques over time. Uh, I did breath meditation for a long time. I'm now using Zen type techniques. And uh, all the things that you mentioned are things I've thought about and been concerned about with my practice. And uh, I've kind of come to a spot now where I'm getting good at cutting off thought, which cuts off suffering. And, uh, but it's been like a long time coming. Um, so I like to, I like easy things and chanting is easy and it does a good job. Um, so that's, that's my current practice. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good point. You know, like um, just like I like easy things, and like um, I feel just like that self awareness piece. Like I'm 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 similar. Like I've learned a lot of elaborate uh, types of practices, and I know that for me, some people really really like those. And then um, I'm like lazy as far as my techniques go. I just like them very very simple um, these days. Uh, and it's all good, whatever works for you, right? Um, Bob, you had your hand up? Yeah, so um, for me, um, with this talk, uh, a lot came up um, just with my practice and, and the roads I've gone down. Um, but for me, what, what I kind of ended it with was um, with these practices, having faith and knowing 
right for me and not comparing or doubting and and going with that um and then if that doesn't work adjusting it with compassion and maybe not like this like dogmatic guilt or anything like that but just knowing um what works best for me and being really honest with myself and my heart um is something that i'm really doing uh, a lot more now uh lately and i feel like within that there's a looseness and a dedication there that feels like it's I, I would say the middle path um because i've done a lot of efforting and, and then i've done a lot of like oh whatever man let it just come as it comes you know um but i feel like just having faith in my own heart and my own knowing um is something that's really big for me right now um, awesome thank you cool thank you and and this um i, I think i don't know if i i speak Awesome. You cut out for me a little bit, but did can you say that last piece one more time just in case you cut out for others too? Um, I was just saying that this talk, uh, the talk, um, it definitely resonated with me a lot and it, and it felt like you were, you were speaking directly, directly at me in my practice oh. as well as uh, a couple people in my group as well. Oh, cool, uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Very, All right, very awesome. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. And then I think Paula... I just see a hand. I don't. I don't see a Paula. Yeah, you, you see my painting. That's Paula today. I love. I love that painting too. I've seen that in person. That thing is so amazing. Brought to you by, from Bali, Indonesia. Beautiful. Um, thank you uh, for your talk today. It's the thing that came up for me, which was very powerful, was looking at all these paradoxes, um, like for me, grasping or pushing or um, whole or parts, you know, and um, effort or non-effort. The, the thing that comes forward for me is what's in the center of these paradoxes. Mm -hmm. And the center, you know, is, is like Dr. or Mr. Lee was talking about the other day about how we have all these different parts, but not attaching or identifying to those parts and rest in the wholeness. And that's what I find, like if I'm not grasping or if I'm not pushing, what's left? What's left is the center spaciousness mm -hmm. of who I'm being. And that meditation, by practicing meditation for me, it's like it's being in relationship with that wholeness and that's what's magnified. So then, you know, and then out of that comes bonding versus reacting. And of course, all of it lives there. And so it's not like reaction won't occur, but it's about embracing all the different parts as they come, embracing it. And then as I embrace it, that dissolves into the wholeness. And, and that's, that's the awareness that I'm left with. Mm. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. 
And, and um, yeah, people are asking if I do see the hands. Um, I, I do. I didn't, I didn't see all of them. I had like kind of two screens going on, but um, yeah, but I see Shannon and um, yeah, I see Karen and, and also Mark and Melissa. So um, Karen, do you want to go next? Yeah, this was really resonating with you, Casey, um, because there are things that I, I know about myself that I bring to the practice, and one of the things that I know about myself is that I'm in my head a lot, and so um, for me, a practice that is helping me to focus on what's happening in my body is really, really helpful. Um, but I noticed in my practice too, like where you were talking about, um, for example, giving a hundred percent. And like I notice, I will do things so that I'm not, I'm excusing myself from a hundred percent. And I notice in my head, I can get really judgmental. Like um, sometimes I will think, um, well, I don't have hundreds of dollars to go on a retreat. Um, and so if I'm not practicing at a, you know, on a retreat, then am I really sincerely practicing? And so I will almost use that as an excuse to, to like not even have a seat at the table, mm -hmm. right? And so not even to bring um, myself fully to my practice. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm hoping those are obstacles that other people deal with as well, but um, it was really helpful to here you talk about some of the paradoxes um, that come with a practice um, because sometimes I don't feel mm, free to really explore the practice um, uh, like I could be um, exploring the practice. That's what I wanted to say. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing. Um, Let's go with Mark and Melissa, and then Shannon. Hi, everybody. It was me, Melissa, that raised my hand. Um, thank you, Casey. Thanks, everybody, for being here today. I think the thing that I, I always come back to but continues to be the hardest thing, but yet somehow the most effective practice for me is the inviting of Mara in for tea and, you know, meaning that I really have a lot of aversion at times to negative emotions or thoughts and try to manage them as opposed to really inviting them in and sitting with them. And that continues to be the most difficult thing to do. However, always is really the most effective at relieving suffering. Mm. And, and I have to constantly remind myself that it really is just a loop of always forgetting or not wanting to take on that challenge. But that has really been um, important for me right now as there are just so many button pushing things happening in the world. So. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing. And Shannon, 
Thank you, Melissa. That was really powerful for me to hear. Um, I actually almost forgot what I was going to say. Um, just that uh, doubt and uh, I guess what really struck everything you said today really struck with me and particularly the idea of am I doing this right? That's really been present for me. So I, I kind of had this realization that wondering if I'm doing it right is a way of not doing it <laughs> um, and not being with it really. So I felt like it's an obstacle, you know, wondering if I'm doing it right is an obstacle. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I want to say. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, yeah, it just comes up for so much of, so many of us, you know, that hindrance of doubt and, and whatnot and, and um, trying it on though, I think like doing it right, I, I think if we look at results, you know, like doing it right would mean, is it effective? I think te technically speaking, we also, we have good instructions available to us. But I, I think that more than looking at the term, am I doing it right? Actually just shifting that a little bit to see, you know, is it, is it working and working with the skillfulness of like, maybe do I need to bring in different, different teachings to like, what's right for me? I think that's maybe what I'm trying to say is not, are you doing it right? Is what is right for me? And sometimes, think, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, just, I think what I wanted to say about it is that, um, there's a, there's a sense of aversion. Um, I like, I feel like I'm, I'm, not sure how to do it. Oh my God, this is really hard and I can't do it. There's like a sense of pushing away. Mm -hmm. and, and that's how it becomes like well, my way of pushing it away instead of being with it. Mm. Yeah, thank you. I feel like that too. <laughs> and, um, and Rick? I think you're muted. Okay. There you go. Hi. What's up? I, it occurred to me as I was listening recently that my, my, my journey is a lot like Groundhog Day. I mean, I just, I'm constantly coming back and doing the same stupid shit. So I um, was thinking in, in this today that I need to have something, someplace to write things down or something that actually worked. Uh, and, and, and remember to go back there. I mean, I just went through some pretty blue times and then I ran into just some fortuitous solutions and I fortunately was at least taking notes when that happened, but um, hopefully I'll come back to what works more quickly, but writing things that work down seemed to, seems to be a good um, connect today. Great. Great. Thank you. All right. So just a minute left. So let, maybe let's just sit together for a minute or so. And maybe let's just big book end this session together by again, tapping into that mother energy. Maybe thinking of everything that we covered today. 
about the paradoxes and how we can navigate our path. And then I think it's universally accepted that navigating our path with loving kindness, the caring attitude, with a sincere wish for ourself and others to be happy, just like a mother cares for her children. If we care for ourselves in the same way, there's no doubt we will reach awakening. If we could have that pure intention to relieve our own suffering, this will definitely lead us to liberation. And really feeling through intention that all mothers in all different forms and capacities that they get the energy that they need, the self-care that they need. The nourishing that they need. And may all beings everywhere, everywhere without exception May they all get this care, this nourishment, this love. Omani Padme Om. Just listen to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.